When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hollywood Wolfpack with Kaya Alexander, featuring in-depth interviews and insights with professionals in the entertainment business. Get everything you need to navigate your above-the-line career right here. This podcast is often recorded live in front of Kaya students in the Entertainment Business School. You can find out more at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. Hollywood Wolfpack is the new face of entertainment business wisdom. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Kaya Alexander, and I'm here today with my special guest, David O'Donnell. He has extensive experience in dramatic documentary film and television as a vice president, executive producer, producer, writer, and development executive, overseeing everything from development and pitching to pre-production, production, post, and deliverables for a variety of streamers and networks. Currently, he's vice president of current production and executive producer at Jupiter Entertainment, overseeing exemplary creative teams in Jupiter's Knoxville and New York offices, producing a broad range of documentary films, specials, and series across multiple genres. He also has a senior leadership role in Jupiter's employee development, workflow efficiency, and future planning initiatives. After teaching for five years, David shifted to television and film production. And for the last 20 years, he's been honored to lead teams who develop, produce, deliver important buzzworthy and ratings grabbing programming that viewers across the globe love. He has written and produced an independent feature film distributed worldwide and has several spec screenplays optioned. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, I appreciate you having me. You're you to be here. Why? Uh, I'm a busy, I'm busy guy. I think most, most of us are. <laughs> I love that you're um, so deep in your passion. And I connect to that you have the creative and business side going on. Do you, um, how do you juggle that for yourself between the business and creative side? Do you like structure your time differently? Or is it kind of by feel like, oh, I feel like doing this today? Uh, I, my comfort zone is the creative side. And the, the business side is something that uh, any producer has to keep in mind. So there has to be a balance, but uh, I'm definitely uh, more on the creative part. And then the numbers and the business side is, is something that I have to do uh, without necessarily love doing. <laughs> yeah, well, I connect to that. <laughs> we have to stretch <laughs> into those zones, you know, where we can just become the master of things that even intimidate us at times. I'm always encouraging my students to do that because when you have the creative side down and you know your craft, that's like half the battle. Great. You know, now you've got to go into the business side and sell it and build your teams and speak that language, hopefully enough that you can really succeed. Absolutely. And, and, you, and you can't separate the two because unless you have an unlimited budget and an unlimited schedule, which 
I don't think anybody ever has. Yeah, even Scorsese doesn't. So (laughs) yeah, you you have to you have a vision in mind for your creative, but you have to work that into the parameters of your budget schedule. Yeah, completely. Um, So, what are you the most passionate about right now? I feel very fortunate that uh, my teams and I get to tell people's stories. You know, most of um, most of the programming that we do at Jupiter Entertainment and almost all the stuff that I'm across uh, is in the true crime space. Oh, interesting. And when we reach out to families to say, hey, we, do you want to tell your fam- the victim's families, do you want to tell your story? And they say, yes. I take that really seriously and I, it's, it's a real honor. And so um, being able to figure out a way to, to tell these harrowing stories well uh, and respectfully, um, that that's what I get really passionate about. Oh, that's really interesting. What are the challenges inside of um, producing that kind of content? Well, there's a lot of challenges. You know, you, you always want more time and more money, right? Um, in terms of the storytelling, True crime is an interesting, it's, I've likened this before, true crime is sort of adaptation. You know, you you have to, we we never make anything up, but we also have, you know, on certain networks, 42 minutes and 30 seconds to the frame to tell the story. So you have to, you have to figure out what, you can't tell it all. What are you going to leave out? Uh, You have to, you have to figure out a way. There's the creative challenge of, staying true to the real story but also creating a dramatic arc within the hour of the programming that the viewer is going to watch um so those are challenges i enjoy you know and and my team's very very good at that's really fascinating talk to us about one of your uh, favorite projects oh that's tough um i will say that uh last year like I said, mo- most of my career has been in true crime, which is episodic series television, which has been great. Uh, the last couple of years, I got to branch out a little bit and uh, we did three feature length documentary films, which, w- which was nice. Um, one was telling the story of El Chapo Guzman, uh, Joaquin Guzman, the, who, who ran the probably the most profitable and most dangerous drug cartel in the world. Um, And we told the story through a business lens, which I thought was interesting. So we talked about product and distribution and human resources and marketing and ultimately termination (laughs) at the end. So that that was really interesting, um, which was crime adjacent, but wasn't a a sort of a murder mystery story. Right. Um, We did another feature called uh, Bessie Coleman, Queen of the Skies which told the story of Bessie Coleman, who was the first African-American woman to get uh, an international pilot's license Um, back in 1926, I think she did this. And I mean, that was just one of those under-told stories that everybody should know, but most people don't. So it was an honor to be able to tell her story. She she couldn't find uh, a flight school in the United States who would take her because she was a black woman. Didn't she go to Paris? Something? So she well, she learned French first, right. and then went to Paris and studied in in France. So, just what a remarkable that? story. 
So that was a documentary feature. Yeah. But where can we see it? Uh, that's on Curiosity Stream, as is the CEO of Sinaloa, which is the first one I mentioned. Um, and the third one we did is, is called Haval, also on Curiosity Stream. And that tells the story of a, a British-born uh, guy who worked in Hollywood for 20 years. Not a famous actor, but an actor, a working actor, you know, gigs in the CSI and stuff like that, who uh, decided to sell his Porsche. And he went to Syria and he volunteered with a, an army called the YPG uh, to fight ISIS. And he had a helmet cam, so he, he came back with all kinds of great footage and his he became kind of controversial over there, but it's a really great story. And, and what I liked about that story is um, his story gave us a way to, to tell the story of the YPG um, and what they're trying to do over there in Syria and, and gain some independence. So it, it was sort of a nice a nice way in. So those are really those are really fun things that I've done recently that were were just sort of out of the ordinary for what I've normally done. Oh, that's awesome. Love it. I was a development exec back in the early aughts, um, <laughs> going back a little ways. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about how you find uh, the IP, how you find the stories, how you develop them, you know, what excites you and where do you look for those stories? We have a very, very good development team at Jupiter Entertainment. Um, uh, run by Christopher Spry um, and Connor McManus is his sort of number number one, um, and they're always generating ideas internally. Uh, we also, all of us, are sort of keep keep our ears open and, and eyes open to things, worlds that we think might be interesting and um, underexplored. Uh, and then we also sometimes get pitches from outside sources. So it, it's sort of this combination of internally generated ideas and, and some stuff coming from outside and just trying to find the right one that hits at the right time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like we, a lot of it's about timing. Timing. Oh my gosh, for sure. What's in the zeitgeist? What's important to everybody right now? I was just chatting with a friend of mine about book banning and what's happening right now. And, you know, this is a really ancient story that's now modern, you know, with what uh, the country is going through. For sure. Yeah, that that wasn't in the zeitgeist even a year ago and you know here we are so you guys have to keep your thumb on the pulse of what's happening yeah and one thing i think jupiter does well is i think you know a lot of companies when there's a hit they try to do that same thing like after pawn stars came out everybody's like what's our pawn stars and i that that way you, you're just sort of a chasing a trend that has already kind of happened and to some degree you know if something comes along and we feel like it it works and it is um similar to something that's a big hit we you know we don't we're not opposed to that but but jupiter also really is sort of trying to seek and create the own their own our our own trends yeah i love that well you got to be out in front of it otherwise you're just yeah what already exists and I think audiences are smarter than a lot of people give them credit for they know when something's a knockoff of the original they can for sure they can feel it um I, I can't really point to many knockoffs that perform as well as an original in our business is Jupiter primarily unscripted or are you guys doing scripted too almost exclusively unscripted yeah okay so talk to us in case my audience doesn't know a whole lot about the lanes in the industry between scripted and unscripted 
um, and your experience, because it sounds like you're also a writer working on the scripted side. So talk to us about the differences, especially as you get in front of buyers in those spaces. Most of my career has, well, all of my career has been an unscripted, actually. Um, the, the screenplay stuff that I did, that was sort of spec things that happened and didn't happen. Um, so all of the work that I've done that I've been paid for has been in the unscripted world. Um, and which it's a funny term unscripted because there are scripts, of course. <laughs> but, um, there's uh, guardrails. there have to be guardrails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the unscripted world is sort of like I, I mentioned Pawn Stars or uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians or, you know, whatever uh, is, is big, these Love Island. Um, uh, and the true crime uh, is is part of the unscripted world because you're, you're, you're scripting real stories yes. rather than, you know, the, um, the CSIs of the world. Which is where scripted is. Between like the Kardashians and Tinder swindler, you know, to to take up the unscripted space. So you're focused on the true crime side of the unscripted. I, I have been uh, focused on that, and that that's you. See, you know, you sort of get pigeonholed to some degree, um, and, and once you do true crime well a few times, you become the true crime person. <laughs> Um, which can be frustrating, but also, you know, if you're good at something, that's great. Uh, Jupiter is not solely focused on true crime, although it's the bulk of our programming right now. But um, back in 2019, uh, a new president joined us, Patrick Reardon, and one of his goals is to, you know, keep the bread and butter of the true crime programming, but then expand beyond that. We've been pretty successful doing that, which has been exciting. But what does that expansion look like? What, you, what kind of stories have you been going after? Well, like I said, we, you know, we did those those three um, feature docs, yes. um, which were not in the true crime space. Um, we've got um, we've got some stuff that's that's greenlit, but hasn't really been made public. So I'm trying to figure out how I can explain it. But <laughs> some some uh, uh, I think they're called Ocu docs these days. We you know we're, we're following a like a, a group of worker, you know, people in a certain industry and sort of a follow doc is what I think they used to be called, um, which is more in the reality space. That's in the Oculus, but OcuDoc? I think more like occupation doc. Oh, okay, got it. I, that It's just a term I've heard thrown around recently. <laughs> you know, these things are always changing. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we found a group of, uh, for example, a group of wrestlers that are very interesting and we're, we're building a show around them and We've got some. Um, That's so funny. I heard uh, you say wrestlers, and my head heard rustlers. So I was like, "Wow, cattle rustlers!" There's, there's an idea. <laughs> the modern cattle rustler. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we have uh, a project that's in the uh, real estate and sort of home flipping space. Okay. So we're expanding into those kind kinds of areas nicely. My gosh, that's all my mom watches. She loves the house flipping and the big. Mm -hmm and everything else she's their prime audience yeah. those are fun they're <laughs> they fun stories fun. you know it's meaningful to see people's lives transformed in a way that really uh makes their life better you know there's, there's so much hard things well it's interesting because the true crime 
is really popular in literature. It's really popular in podcasts. Do you have crossover where you like, you know, you listen to a podcast and go, oh, we should adapt that. Like, are, are you doing that too? Uh, occasionally a, a story idea will come from someone having listened to a podcast. Um, it's not really nece necessarily something that we're seeking out, but you know, what, however a story comes our way, we're, we're game to. I guess to the other question, you know, from the business side is, do you have to have underlying IP for anything that you're doing? Or is it like, Hey, it really happened. That's enough. We have various sources on this and we'll go construct the show. Well, with our with our series, um, the, the the underlying IP is the series. You know, mm -hmm. like for example, Snapped. We're in season thirty three of that now. We've done over six hundred episodes of this series, which is astonishing. I, it might be the longest running crime show. I I don't know who's been longer than that. Wow, um, that's epic. So. So, you know, that's that's the IP. And then we have a research team that's just looking for stories that fit the parameter of that series. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Does it, Have you got spinoffs going from that? From that uh, came a series called Snapped Killer Couples. Um, and that's in season 17, I think. So that's another super successful one. We have a really good track record of of long running series that just go year after year after year after year for you that's incredible what's the log yeah. like where can people watch it so they know what it's about uh snapped and killer couples are both on oxygen um and i think probably also airing uh sort of streaming on peacock okay on peacock um, and snapped uh, these are stories of women who snap and end up killing someone and killer couples is uh, when a couple gets together and decides to do terrible things. Oh my gosh! It, you know, it's As so unusual. I, I'm friends with Gavin De Becker, who's a, a leading expert on violence prediction and prevention, and he says that 98% of the violence in the world is men. So you're finding enough stories to run a whole show off of the two percent of the women who snap. Yeah, he's like nodding his head, like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. more than 600 episodes. You know, if you're just to watch the news, you think, oh, my God, you know, the world is so dangerous and, you know, anything could happen at any time every day. But then, you know, the, the reality is we're all maybe a lot more safer now than at any other time in history. We're not living in Roman times when your neighbor could legally um, stab you to death if they suspected you of, you know, stealing their cow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's harder to get away with the crime these days. You know, it. it, it it's um, there's so many technological advances that make proving who did what a lot easier than even 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the rise of DNA testing, which didn't exist when I was a kid, I'm totally dating myself now. That don't mind. <laughs> but we're in a totally different era now of what's possible uh, in solving crimes, which makes for sure in television. I <laughs> what do you yeah. watch? What do you, well, watch? you know, it's interesting you bring up the DNA thing. So when I when I started my career, I, so I've been making TV since, uh, let's see, it was 96, I think, when I started. Um, and back then, DNA was pretty rudimentary. And um, some of it was only mitochondrial DNA where they could say, like, there, there's a... a, a matriarchal connection between the person who left that blood and the person that they know about but now 
it's they can do touch DNA. So if you know if I touch this pencil, they can get my DNA off this pencil, Holy which cow. it's just extraordinary. I didn't even know that. That's really yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I remember talking to a Chicago police detective. I'm also a novelist and was researching a book, and he was talking about how the number one issue with crime scenes is contamination by the people guarding the crime scene, <laughs> like mm -hmm. leaving candy wrappers and things that like weren't there, you know, in the crime scene and stuff. So you end up getting yep. dropping cigarettes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That weren't there prior. So what do you watch when you're just relaxing? Do you avoid the true crime space you're watching? Like never have I ever. And what are your viewing habits like? I, I, I cherry pick watching some true crime just so I can, keep abreast of what's happening and what our competitors are doing, but I don't sit down and watch like a full season of a, of a true crime show. Um, what I'm what, like, my son and I watched this great documentary last night, uh, fantastic fungi. You oh, know. Mushrooms. Yeah. It's, fan oh, it's amazing. It's a great, great, great thing. Um, so I, but I do watch a lot of crime not necessarily true crime. So like, the, like I love BBC crime shows like Luther and the fall and stuff like that. Um, so the, the, the crime umbrella is something that I watch for pleasure, but not necessarily true crime very much. Sure. Like the spy stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love spy That's always fun. slow horses is a favorite in our house. I haven't watched that one. You haven't seen it yet. The Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, it's really, really well written and surprising. And uh the characters are super endearing. It's very, it's very British. So if you like those, I think you'll enjoy I it. I do like the the, Brit the British shows for sure. God, we Have you watched Luther? I haven't yet. I haven't oh. yet. So good, huh? So good. Great. I'm gonna have to stick it on my watch list. I'm working through and going going back in time because there were some things that I missed, like I didn't get to see uh, all of Spartacus, so I wanted to go back and watch the the show. And um, you know, every once in a while, you're filling in gaps, so I've gone back a little bit instead of going forward. You know, everybody talks about. Uh, I don't know why this happened during the pandemic, but people were going back and watching older stuff during the pandemic. And one of the series that I rewatched was The Wire. And just, again, such amazing storytelling. Like, right. it totally holds up. Yeah. So when, good. Back when HBO was HBO. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now Max. Max, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you know, what's, what's next for you? What you got your eye on? What would be exciting for you? I like the path that Jupiter's taking now where we're like I said before, we're you know, we're sticking with the bread and butter and making that better bread and butter and not sort of relying on, well, this is the way we've done it for five years, so let's keep doing it, but always innovating. But I also like that we're starting to expand more um uh into into other genres because that's really fun for me. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, talk to me about the budget ranges for the unscripted. Of course, it's always less than scripted, but you know, what's standard these days? Well, as with anything, there's a huge range. So um, I think sort of the the mid-range mid unscripted is maybe in the $500,000 an episode. Uh, and then the sort of the, the more... Um, high volume series, which which is what we do, tends to be a little lower, maybe in the twos and threes. 
and then there's some big hits that are you know maybe three quarters of a million an hour um so i think the 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 two poles of that are doing really well where the the high volume but slightly lower budget is doing well and then sort of the big splashy stuff that gets a lot of money behind it and that middle ground i think is is struggling right now a bit yeah interesting how long does it take you guys to film an episode uh, i guess it depends on what you mean by film so that i one way to put it is with a true crime show there's sort of two rounds of principal photography in that we send a crew to the location where the the contributors who are going to be speaking on camera where they are and we interview them so that would be you know the victim's family members and co-workers and people who who knew them and the, and the police officers and the prosecutors and defense attorneys and journalists wherever the crime took place so that's one round and then most of our shows also have a reenactment component and that's a second round of shooting so we'll, we'll spend i'm sorry with actors yes uh and so we'll spend you know a week or so in the field where the crime happened getting the interviews and doing b-roll of the area and then depending on the series some series have reenactment with you know fully scripted cinematic like scenes with dialogue and some series are a little more impressionistic where it's more maybe slow-mo and more cl about close-ups and super wides but not no dialogue and stuff and those shows can have anywhere from two days of reenactment to five or six so between those two it's you know it's between a week and a half and two weeks of shooting okay per episode per episode how long does post take on an episode like that? Again, it depends on the series and the budget, um, but it, it tends to be, you know, probably about a 12 week post process. Um, some of the some of the bigger specials will have a lot more time than that. Um, and the, the high volume ones, you know, we, we kind of have to move through it kind of quicker. Do you work with like one editor, you know, per show who's like your primary person, or do you have a couple editors working since you're churning out content like that? Most of the high volume series, um, there will be a single editor for each episode, but then there's also a lead editor who will do a pass to sort of make sure it feels part of the whole yeah. um, and sort of polish to make sure it, it you yeah. know, to get that series wide nuance to it um but mostly it's a single editor doing most of the offline editing oh, interesting let's talk advice for uh some of our listeners certainly i have students who are in the unscripted space you know as they're like oh great i have i've done my sizzle i have my idea i know what i want to do with it you know and, and who do i take it to what advice do you have for them as they're looking for homes for their projects maybe my my first piece of advice is be patient um, and be ready for a lot of people saying no. Um, even the best development teams fail most of the time. You know, you, you develop, I don't know what the ratio is, but you might develop 20 shows to get one. Um, and so people who have their own idea, um, I guess my, Another piece of advice is 
to really look into the landscape and see what else is out there that might already have done what you're talking about or might currently be doing what you're talking about and make sure you differentiate yourself in some way. Um, ideas are really easy. You know, if you and I sat down in the next 20 minutes, we could probably come up with three or four ideas for a TV show. It's, that's not so hard. But a network rarely buys an idea, right? So they, they want they want to know that you have uh, exclusive access into people who are going to tell a specific story that no one else can get or you have exclusive access to some sort of footage or, or um, material or something that they can sort of hang their hat on. So it's, I, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, if I meet someone out and they ask what I do and I tell them, they're like, oh, my friends and I are so hilarious, we should have our own TV show. And it's like, well, probably not. <laughs> You're probably pretty funny, but, would you know is it distinctive enough that someone like a and e would want to put all that money behind it and make sure that it's going to be a hit which you can never make sure it's going to be a hit but that's what everybody wants so i i think you know uh being humble and realizing that um your first idea is probably not the best one and being willing to being willing to adapt, um, and listen to a lot of people saying no. And if you really believe in it, keep going. And you know, maybe adapt a little bit if you keep hearing no's about a certain aspect of it. Like maybe I need to change it. Um, one thing I, I you know, I've sat on panels before in colleges and things, and I've been asked a similar question about younger people. And one of the things I've said before is. I think it's important to realize you're probably not a genius. You know, I'm not a genius. I'm not, but I worked hard and I failed and learned and tried to get better and then failed again and learned and tried to get better. So there, there are a few geniuses out there who, you know, they're going to be the Tarantino who comes in with a fresh thing and makes a big splash. But most of this is like plotting work trying, failing, trying, failing, and then succeeding. Yeah, I heard that because you learn and you pivot, you know, you learn those lessons, you know, okay, I got it. And you go, you know, make that adjustment to land it the next time. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about that. What kind of mistakes um, do you see, you know, upcoming filmmakers make in the unscripted docuspace? You know, there's that, that, terrible sounding but very true phrase about being willing to kill your babies murder your darlings yes yeah murder your darlings yeah yeah that it's really true like you know you have to be willing to listen to the advice of others don't take every piece of advice but listen and you have to be willing to revise and change things up um unless you are that genius and I'm not, I never have been. <laughs> uh, and I think most of us aren't. Um, but that willingness to sort of rethink things and adjust and like you said, pivot to, to better fit a specific marketplace, I think is really important. It's the entrepreneurial side of things. 
You know, it's like, at least in Silicon Valley, entrepreneurs, you're developing, you know, a platform or a product, and then you start to get feedback and you have to pivot. Your investors are investing in the team, usually even before the initial idea. They're going, okay, well, we think you guys can pull it off. Uh, And then you, you know, you carry on and adjust. I bet you have learned a lot about what hooks an audience, what holds an audience's attention. Um, I imagine that you have like developed a real sense for that. Could you talk to us a little bit about what you know about what audiences will pay attention to, what grabs them? I think what what I, in, in terms of the true crime space anyway, um, you know, I, I have kids, I've got, a sister and brothers and parents and cousins, you know, my cousin. Um, I don't ever want to be gratuitous with true crime because the stories that we're telling happen to families like mine. Um, I think some people have been successful with gratuitous in the space, but what we've done at Jupiter and, and what I've done in my career is I think what hooks audiences more is authenticity um, than telling a real story and telling the complexities of it. It's not always, sometimes you can sort of start to understand both sides of a story, even though you would never condone any act of violence. But the world's really complex. And, and if you're authentic in telling the story, I think the viewer is really going to connect with that more than say a you know a big gratuitous super bloody shock value thing. I, I've never made that kind of show. I don't. I wouldn't want to make that kind of show. Uh, so what our viewers I think appreciate is is a, a good story, respectfully told, and and I think they connect with the idea of mystery and trying to be an armchair detective and following along like, oh, I think that person did it, or I think that person did it. Um, And I think another thing that is attractive to the viewer in the true crime space is justice. You know, at the end of every episode, the bad person goes away. Uh, And I think that matters. You know, interestingly, true crime is mostly watched by women. And like you said earlier, most crimes are committed by men and sadly against women. So the women tend to be the victim side of the equation, but they're the ones who are watching. And I think part of it is they like knowing, like if somebody does something bad, they'll be held accountable for it. Maybe it's educating. It educates as well, you know, in terms of like what to avoid, what to watch out for. I know the statistic and it's 80% of the crimes against women are perpetrated by their boyfriends and husbands. So it's usually someone in the immediate vicinity, you know, not a stranger had said earlier. I didn't, I would guess that most of the audience was women. I wouldn't have known that at all. It is fascinating when there's a reveal, you know, as well at the end of, you know, where, what happened and who was responsible and, um, and especially if there's justice that that must be satisfying. And I've done, we've done early in my career when when true crime started, it was the first true crime that I did was on discovery channel itself. Sure. This was before ID was a thing and discovery was a very male network. And those early true crime shows that I worked on, they were very science driven. 
and it was about the investigation and the and the forensics and and then the court uh, back and forth. What has changed in my career is now our storytelling is more about the emotional story. Like the investigation is there, but it's also about the impact on the family and on the community and you know what it what it did to the people around these victims, what it did to the victim themselves. So you asked earlier what what is attractive or what keeps the viewers engaged. I think that emotional arc is super important in true crime these days. Independence style. Yeah. Going way back. Right. <laughs> I mean, they've been they've been successful for a long time for a reason. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> People like hearing human stories, you know. And they're important to tell. And like you said, there are there is some takeaway and and we get a lot of viewer feedback that says, you know, I sometimes the really important viewer feedback is I saw in my relationship what was on your show and I left. Wow. And that's good. Yeah. You know. It's really interesting. And that's meaningful too. Yeah. We do we we're doing a series right now uh, for TV one called Payback. And they're all stories that have a revenge element. And you never want to be really preachy with with your programming, but we have been very careful to make sure that there is a sort of cautionary tale in, in every episode and some takeaway that if someone injures you, injuring them back is not the answer. And so I, I, I'm really proud of that series because I think it is subtly explaining that the cycle of revenge needs to stop. I think that's important. That's really fascinating. How, how do you manage to slip that spinach into the popcorn? You know, we interview the, the people that this happened to, and we'll, we'll all often always ask them something like, how do you feel about the idea of revenge? And they usually they they always come up with an interesting way to phrase it that you know one one person recently said it if if you're going after somebody for revenge you're digging two graves mm. for them and for you mm -hmm. so you know by working things like that into into the storytelling it, it without overtly saying thou shalt not you know being preachy which I think would turn off a lot of people the the message is there. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a it's not an area that I know a lot about, but like many people, I find it, you know, compelling and intriguing. If I stumble on something on television that hooks me and I get sucked in, you know, it's one of those like you do I find myself climbing out of my seat, like, oh my God, talking to the television and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. David, it's so interesting talking to you about all of this um space. So I'd love to know a little bit more since you said you're really creative at heart. How does your creativity come into your career now? Well, I so I my first show running job was in it was actually Monday, September tenth, two thousand one, the day before September eleventh. God. So, for and it was it was it in New York. That was actually in Virginia, hmm. where I still am. Um, when you're the when you're the showrunner, 
in a series in like a, a true crime series that that we do primarily the showrunner is the chief creative you know they're, they're the one who's there from the very beginning until the end in the, in the film world that's what the director does in our world the director will come in to prep for a week and shoot for a week and then they go away and they yes. don't they're not worked in, they're not part of post-production they're not part of the pre-production i didn't realize you use showrunners in unscripted that's interesting oh yeah yep um so when I, when that was my job it was all about the creative with the business side that you, we talked about in the very beginning. Um, for the past couple of years, I've been a, a VP in, in charge of current. And so I've had to kind of step back from that a little bit and let the showrunners run their own shows, which is which actually was a little bit of a learning curve for me, like because I was very hands-on in terms of creative. But it's been an interesting change where now I feel like I sort of see myself as support staff for the showrunners. Um, to help them navigate when things get a little wonky or, you know, make sure that we have the right people in place and we're keeping the, the quality up as high as we can. Um, so the, the creative side for me has, I'm a little less boots on the ground now, actually. How many shows you got running at any given time? Jupiter Entertainment has, I think, about a dozen series in production right now. Um, we do maybe 230 hours a year um and uh, so it's a lot of work it's like the tonight is... show. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we have a lot of teams yeah so it's not any one team is not doing all of those things. i know i would imagine <laughs> i clarified that though somebody's having a heart attack if that's how yeah right i <laughs> know <laughs> if it's not you <laughs> So let's talk about how the buying, the buying landscape has changed because I have a few friends, one who is a host and has been a host of some of these um, travel docu shows. And I know that she was doing a true crime international, like when people go missing and she was internationally going to the spots where someone went missing and doing the true crime follow-up. And she was frustrated because the network that she was on was like, we want to make it more supernatural. So they wanted to take the true crime and go and, the, and she was like this is, these are people's lives this is their you know daughter that went missing on the hiking trail and things like that and she stepped out of the space and that was a, you know a change of probably the guard at that network that said we're, we're pivoting we're going this other direction and i'm thinking about how the landscape of the buyers has changed uh, in your experience, what you've seen happen and how that has shifted your own strategy inside of what you're doing at Jupiter. Well, one thing that's changed is there's in, in the true crime space is there's more buyers. Huh. You know, 15 year, years ago or so, it was kind of investigation discovery and a little bit of oxygen. And now a lot of people are really trying to get into the true crime space. So there are, there's a, a, a bigger hunger for it and a wider range of networks and streamers that are, are greenlighting it. So that's changed. Um, I think recently the, the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, merger really slowed things down overall. Yeah. Because it, it took a while to merge those giant entities that and, name the disco bros yeah nice i like it um and during when they were doing that they kind of, they really slowed down on greenlining because i think they wanted to figure out what what their next path was 
And by them slowing down, a lot of other networks kind of said, well, we'll slow down a little bit too. So things got a little slow uh, in the past year and a half or so. Um, but I think they're starting to pick up now. And the, you know, the, the buying landscape, it's, you know, it's sort of the same as it's been in some degrees, just with different um, buzzwords. You know, 15 years ago, they were talking about it has to be sticky. And nowadays, everybody's saying, well, it has to be premium, it has to feel premium. Um, but really, what I think the buyers are looking for is what we do really well at Jupiter, which are the sort of long running, repeatable, high volume series that are going to make people come back over and over and over and over and over. Do we still and I think, I think streamer wise, like Netflix jumped in with like big budget stuff, you know, and very splashy things, making a murder. Um, but I think network uh, Netflix has kind of slowed down as well. And they're seeing that some of those, they, they, what they need rather than weekly viewers is new subscribers. Um, and to those were limited too. They weren't even series. Right. So, um, I, uh, I forget where I was going, but, um, I, I think that they need, they're, they're not getting into like series true crime. They're still, I think if somebody comes up with a big splashy in the next making a murderer, they'll do it, but they're, they're not going to be, and it doesn't seem like they're greenlighting a lot of returnable series. Yeah, that's maybe but a lot more networks are in terms of just regular networks. So that's a change in the landscape of the marketplace a bit. For sure. I was kind of predicting maybe that with the shifts, with the strike that's happening now and whatnot, they're going to bone up on unscripted and go more into funding in the docu space. Well, I think that happened after the first, the, la the last writer strike. When was that? 2005 or so? Uh -huh. Seven. Um, that that was, I think, the beginning of real big, splashy reality shows. And so this writer strike, we might find the same thing. The stuff people like are looking for more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. that that's kind of when I think Kardashians came out of that. And, um, you know, Pawn Stars, like I mentioned earlier and stuff. So I, I think this strike will probably have a, a ripple effect like that. But we'll see. We're poised and ready. Yeah. <laughs> David, thank you so much for being a spectacular special guest on the show. I learned a lot from you today. I really appreciate your time. Well, I'm honored uh, that you asked me on and I've really enjoyed the conversation. How can our listeners find you or follow you? Are you on social media? Uh, I'm not very social media, you know. Uh, I, you know, I'm on Instagram, but I'm, it's set to private because... There's a lot of strange people out there. Okay, so they get to but, watch. They get to watch. But our company, Jupiter Entertainment, um, is at jupiterent.com, uh, and that that gives you a nice place to start about our team, the fantastic team that we have together, and the projects that we're doing. So you mentioned a few shows that are on the air. So maybe let's leave it with you telling us what shows are on the air now that folks could go find. I imagine they'll be inspired to go see them after our talk today. Some of our, our bigger shows, uh, you know, there's the Homicide Hunter brand on ID, which was centered around Lieutenant Joe Kenda, uh, who for a long time was a Colorado Springs detective who just had a sort of 
supernatural ability to solve crimes. And I think we did uh, nine seasons of Homicide Hunter with him until we ran out of the stories that he actually was part of. Um, and Eric Sturm is a showrunner who has sort of created that and has run with it. We've done a spinoff with Joe Kenda, uh, American Detective, where he's sort of helping other detectives tell their stories because, like I said, we ran out of Kendas. So the, the Joe Kenda strand is huge in the investigation discovery world. He's got, you know, he's got fan clubs and they do cruises together and it's, and he's a super nice guy, really nice guy. Um, our, our big shows on oxygen, like I said, are snap and killer couples. Um, we do some great stuff for TV one, uh, fatal attraction and for my man and payback. Uh, and sins of the city sins of the city is is a little um it's got a little more of a social justice bent you know you know the the team did an episode on michael brown and trayvon martin and things like that so that's really interesting we have a uh people sometimes are surprised by this but we have a true crime show on weather channel called storm of suspicion and that tells stories where crimes had some sort of weather element that affected it oh my God. Uh, which is really interesting um and uh streaming on discovery is a, a strand that we did for investigation discovery for a long time it was either called id mystery or id murder mystery depending if, if if there was a proven murder or not um but i think that got id some of its highest ratings ever we did you know an episode on john Bonet ramsey and jeffrey epstein and robert durst and casey anthony and you know some, some of these really big crimes um and people really enjoy those those specials and they they tended to be what was cool about that series is we could fit the storytelling to the story and so if it felt like a, a story that was best told in an hour we did an hour if it took two we did two three we did a couple that were four hour specials so that was a really exciting series to be part of well david o'donnell thank you for your time today appreciate you being in the house with us thank you very much for having me Thanks for listening to Hollywood Wolfpack. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please help our pack grow by sharing Hollywood Wolfpack with your friends and colleagues. Give us a rating and write us a review. Kaya loves hearing from you and reads them all. For more on Kaya and the Entertainment Business School, visit entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Until next week, remember, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack.